This is the View from the Couch podcast, and I'm your host, Pierre Suizanar. On the program today, I will be reviewing it. This is the second movie adapted from a Stephen King novel this year. The first was The Dark Tower, which might be the worst movie that I've seen this year. So if you're a big Stephen King fan walking into this one, surely it can't get much worse than The Dark Tower when it comes to Stephen King adaptations. I haven't read the book, but I've seen bits and pieces of the miniseries on TV a long time ago. So I was heading into this one without any history or much knowledge of what was going to be happening, which was quite a refreshing change for me. I've stated previously on the show that I'm not a big horror fan, but I was very excited for this film, and from the early box office numbers, I am not alone in that department. It broke a few records this weekend. It has the largest Thursday opening for a horror film and an R-rated film by making $13.5 million dollars as well as having the largest Friday for a film released in September with a $51 million opening night. With a couple of broken records, it will be getting a sequel. The book is over 1,000 pages long, which would be almost impossible to cut down to a single movie. Unlike the Dark Tower movie, which turns several books into a 90-minute movie, the It movie splits the book into two parts. Chapter 1 covers the cast as kids, and Chapter 2 picks up 27 years later, with the kids all grown up, with that film coming out in 2019. From the outside, a lot of horror films look to be nothing more than gore porn, a lot of quick cuts, and cheap jump scares. And while that style might work for other films, it is something entirely different. This is a story that features the loss of innocence, mortality, as well as being a coming-of-age story. These are significant themes that, if done right, can elevate it to being more than just a good horror movie, but cross over into the radar of people like me that don't normally go to horror movies. Thankfully, it finds a way to marry the horror elements, which translate incredibly well to the big screen with the characters and the relationships between the members of the Losers Club. In different hands, it could be turned into a film that uses Pennywise as a crutch, relying too much on the horror moments in the book to move things forward, which would end up cheapening the truly scary moments and the audience wouldn't come to fear Pennywise like the main characters. Instead, the film leaves Pennywise on the back burner for quite some time, in order to build up the ensemble cast. The film is helped by having each character fear something, which Pennywise then takes the form of. So each character isn't there for no reason, but each have a key part to play. Plus, the film takes its time, so the audience can get to know each member of the Losers Club. Far too often, movies that feature ensemble casts have a few one-dimensional characters and then a rounded-out main character or two. Instead, the Losers Club features fleshed-out characters. Across the board, the film was able to get the hardest part of writing a film, let alone adapting every movie right and that's having good characters, and it's upon these characters that everything else is built around. It is a film that is incredibly focused. Having a big cast can benefit the film, but also can be a hindrance. The audience can explore more than normal, but if the film goes down one too many rabbit trails, it can make for difficult viewing. It spends time with a few different characters, but always the film ties it back to Pennywise, Georgie, and the central themes of the film. So these detours and subplots ultimately serve the goal of expanding the size and scope of the main story and are not unnecessary distractions seen in other films. It might sound silly to applaud a film based on a book for its story, especially one written by Stephen King, but I gotta call it like I see it. It has a really good story, and fortunately the film version is able to find a way 
to adapt such an iconic book. As I said earlier, the film covers some big themes. For starters, the main character, Bill, is grieving the loss of his little brother, Georgie, and feels somewhat responsible for his death. Oh, and did I mention that the cast is mainly comprised of children? That is a lot to put on the plate of any actor, let alone child actors. And if you've heard my Dark Tower review, you know I'm not too keen on child actors. But across the board, each of them were terrific and brought something different to the film. An obvious highlight and star of the show was Richie. While his jokes and foul language are his defining characteristics, other films should take note at how the film used him. I'm looking at you, Marvel. First off, the jokes have to be funny, and Richie has a few legitimately funny lines, which help keep the film light and fun. Secondly, the humor can't be distracting from what's going on, and this is where the Marvel films, among others, have often failed. During a few scenes, the jokes don't feel natural but are forced into the dialogue, while in this one, it all works well together. The jokes are funny, they fit with the characters as the level of humor is appropriate for the kids of that age, and it all felt organic within the movie and not shoehorned in because the audience hadn't laughed in a few minutes. Because the film spends a large part of the first and second act building up the Losers Club, making the town of Derry feel real and lived in, you could be forgiven if you forgot about Pennywise. If you take out Pennywise and make this movie about growing up in a small town, overcoming your fears, bullies, and learning how to cope with the loss of your brother, it still would all work, and I'm sure a few would say that it would be a better film for it. As I said a few times before, the film takes its time to build a connection between the characters on screen and the audience in their seats, which makes the viewing experience active and not passive, because we are a part of the Losers Club and invested in what happens to them during the course of the film. All that foundation allows the scenes with Pennywise to be experienced through the eyes of the Losers Club, which makes those moments all the more terrifying. Part of what makes the film so much fun is that it's a tense, slow burn. Right from the start during the pre-title scene, it isn't rushing to reveal Pennywise. It also doesn't drag its feet either, as the film knows why we're all here and what the people want to see. Pennywise is such a unique and terrifying villain, and someone that the audience is desperate to see, that the film has to be very cautious and conservative with how to best use him. If he's overused, then he turns into a cheap gimmick, and if he's underused, then the audience will feel cheated. What happens here is just right, where the audience gets just enough Pennywise to be happy and not too much, where some would say that he overstayed his welcome. Remember, we're getting a sequel, so there's still plenty more Pennywise to come. And while Pennywise got plenty of screen time, it's how the film used those minutes, and the performance of Bill Skarsgård separates this Pennywise from the Tim Curry one, as well as every other villain this year. When people talk about screen presence, this is what they are talking about. Whenever Pennywise is on screen, you know something is going to happen. He has the audience in the palm of his hand, as everyone in the theater is under his spell, utterly transfixed by him. You just can't take your eyes off him, and while part of that is down to the costume, in large part, that is due to the outstanding performance of Skarsgård. If there is one bad thing you could say about the movie, it's that it feels very long, especially during the third act. The runtime is about 2 hours and 15 minutes, which isn't incredibly long, but during the latter portions of the film, it felt like the film was going to end at maybe 1 or 2 points, but didn't. Ultimately, it was crucial that the film didn't end there, but go on just a little more longer. The fake endings do take you out of the movie as a few stories come to their conclusion, with the plot about Pennywise needing one more scene to conclude the film. 
All in all, it is fantastic. It has good characters and actors that put in stellar performances. The story is strong enough to stand on its own, and Pennywise isn't used as a crutch. The tone accurately portrays what is scary to a kid, which makes it all feel real and honest. Walking out of the theater, I can't wait to see the next chapter of it, which makes the wait for 2019 that much longer. If I had to give this film a grade, I would give it an A-. If you like the show and want some more episodes, just subscribe for more, and don't forget to rate the show and to share the episode. This has been another episode of the View from the Couch podcast. Thanks for listening.